Symposium with Ash Orlack. Uh, it's me. Um, I'm starting the pod today. Uh, it's Lawrence. He's hosting. Um, if I do a really terrible job today, then just let me know and I'll never do this again. But You're the caretaker. Quite... <laughs> exactly. I'm going to I'm gonna have to gain the respect of the lads quite quickly. Um, but Ash is quite busy with work right now. So um, I'm taking over for for this week. Um, and yeah, it's going to be pretty much business as usual. Just a few housekeeping Notes, we've been a bit inactive over the past couple of weeks because uh, all of us have gone through some, you know, life changes and uh, been quite busy just generally. So hopefully we will be back to weekly episodes quite soon. Um, yeah, uh, it's a pretty good game week to uh, come back to, I think. Uh, a bunch of crazy games, but I think the best place to start off with is um, Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 2. Um Arjun, what did you think? Did you see this um, coming first? Not at all. I mean, I had a sneaky feeling that it would be a good game. I even had a sneaky feeling Villa would, you know, be a good opponent for Liverpool. Liverpool have looked a little bit rusty in the first couple of um, weeks of the season, but I could not foresee Villa winning by that margin, um, scoring seven goals. Like, it was just insane. Um, yeah, it was just like one of those freak results that will be remembered about for years to come. Um and these sort of results just don't happen, really, where a, a, a small team, quote-unquote, like Villa, can score heaps of goals against a big team like Liverpool. Um, I was thinking back to Bournemouth 4, Chelsea 0 at the start of last year um, under Sarri, um, and also Newcastle 5, Spurs 1 a couple of years ago. But again, that, that was like the final day of the season, I think, and it was, it was also a fluke result. But this, this, this result just came out of the blue. You know, it wasn't like Liverpool were failing the reserves like they did um, last year against Villa in the, in the Carabao Cup. It was, a, it was a pretty much full-strength Liverpool team, except, of course, no Alisson and no Mane. But other than that, a strong Liverpool team against a, uh, you know, a first-choice Villa team, and it just played out completely unexpectedly. And, yeah, the whole world was set alight with it. Calvin, uh, what did you think of um, Liverpool's performance? Because they haven't really sparkled in the league so far this season. But, you know, they have gotten... They did ha- have a pretty good record before this ridiculous loss, winning three out of three. So, you know, what what happened in this game? Yeah, it's a weird one. I think we can talk a lot about the missing player that is Mane. You know, without Mane, there's no party, really. They don't have that aggressive play that's pressing, you know, the defence, you know, making a nuisance um, for all defenders. Uh, but Firmino is not that player. And Salah, he's a good player, but he's not that aggressive presser that's going to, you know, cause mistakes so that's what they were missing and you know I think Villa we can talk about how bad Liverpool were but I think Villa I think credit has to go to them you know they play, they had a game plan they stuck to it and they played it and I think that's why you saw seven goals go in really as well yeah I, I, I definitely agree with you I mean uh, from my point of view Villa played really well um, but it was just so surprising how many mistakes Liverpool made I mean Joe Gomez was sort of picked out as the guy who really sort of struggled because Liverpool just kept passing it out the back and kept losing the ball. Adrian obviously at fault for a few of the goals. Um, but yeah, as you say, Calvin, a lot of credit needs to go to Villa. And, and Arjun, you know, 
you must be delighted that Ollie Watkins has, has finally sort of, you could say, delivered in the Premier League because he hasn't had a few good good start, I guess. But he scored a hat-trick in this game, a first half hat-trick. Um, yeah, what do you want to praise him more? <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely incredible from Ollie Watkins, who um, lit up the championship last season with Brentford, um, scoring uh, top scorer in the championship. And yeah, he looks like he's adjusting quite well to Villa life. I think he scored in the in the League Cup game as well. Um, but also Ross Barkley had an amazing game. Um, personally, I was a bit disappointed to see him leaving on loan because um, I quite like him from a sort of rotational standpoint um, for Chelsea. He, he He's a good option to have off the bench. And in my opinion, I, I, didn't, I never thought he actually complained about that role, but clearly he wanted game time. He's gone to a club like Villa and him and um, Grealish yesterday were like prime Iniesta and Messi together. Like It was just insane watching the two of them link up. They, played, they were playing really well. And yeah, I mean, have we have Chelsea like unknowingly made Aston Villa a bit of a super team by, by giving Barkley to them? I, I don't know, but um, yeah, Villa Villa have had a good start. Obviously, three wins out of three, and I think they're they're, they're set for a more comfortable season than than last season for sure. Um, if if yeah. Watkins is Messi um, and Grealish is Iniesta, then is is Trezeguet Xavi? Because uh, I'm pretty. I'm, I I mean it's a pretty shock win and like if it wasn't for all of the other games going on this weekend this would be i would spend we could spend an hour talking about this game but unfortunately i mean there are some other uh you could say shock results um chelsea yeah. keeping a clean sheet yeah <laughs> we'll get to that in a second but yeah. manchester united won spurs six now calvin has been dancing in the group chat ever since uh that result um so i'd like to give him the floor uh, go on. <sighs> I think I think let's start with the fixed congestion side of things. You know, four games in a week. Um, we won three of them. And if you asked me at the beginning of that week if we only won one, I would have probably taken that to be honest, given the whole fixture congestion. Now let's focus on the Man U match because um this was unbelievable. You know, thirty seconds in, I was like, oh, you know, it's gone. It's literally anything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. You know, Champions League final again, penalty basically killed us I thought we would have killed the old Tottenham but you know I I think under Jose you know it's a new leash of life you know winning mentality I think we saw that from Lamella you know what he's been talking about this whole time going down I mean I on the one hand you know it's not great to see people going down like that and you know play acting but you know it's happened to us so many times you know with Son with Rudiger Son with Jefferson Lerma Um, I think it's you know about time that we had some of the refs on our side, you know. Jose talked about no one respecting us. I think I think we're going to see a revolution, hopefully, you know. Uh, but in terms of the actual football, I think even before the red card, we were playing good football, you know. Hoiberg was keeping Bruno in his pocket, you know. I think we had a double nutmeg as well in there. Um, and Dombele looks like he's becoming the player that we actually signed. And... This is not even talking about Bale and Carlos Vincius, who's yet to even play a game for our team. You know, I think we can only be optimistic of what the season holds now. I think I might even go as far as, you know, Premier League title challenges. Well, I mean, Lamella, I'd, I'd just like to say that I think that reaction from Lamella was absolutely shameful. Um, the way he went down like that. I mean, I don't want to be like, you know, Sunes, who got in trouble for for basically stereotyping Latin countries for having shit housing players. 
but you know the Argentinian Lamella really play acted there. Um, so I can't contain the anger in my voice. So, um, but I just like to say, I mean, as as opposed to the uh, the Villa match, I, I you could say that this wasn't as much of a shock because United have looked pretty awful at the back at the start of the season. Um, conceding six was always something that could happen uh, when you have attacking players like Son, Kane, and Ali. You know. This Ali, kind of really Ali of not, all the places. Not, not Ali, sorry, <laughs> sorry, not Ali, but you know, um well, uh I think United have looked pretty shocking and the transfer policy doesn't seem to be addressing these problems. Arjun, what did you think of United's performance? Yeah, I think it was pretty shambolic from United to concede four goals after red cards, seeing as the player that got sent off was Martial. Like I don't see how a team can realistically lose an attacking player and then concede more goals. Like surely then you you sort of shut up shop even further and, and instead of trying to not attack, just try and you know contain the opponent. And you know, United just were shambles at the back. I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Spurs obviously played very, very well. Um Kane Kane is in excellent form. I think he's created uh sorry, has fourteen goal contributions this season in all competitions, which is pretty good. Like he seems to be developing his playmaking skill um, skills a lot this season. You know, when you think of great playmaking strikers, you think of Benzema. But I think Kane's looking to go up, looking to, you know, reach that height as well in terms of being a more um, all-round attacker. Um, and yeah, I've got, to, I've got to agree with Calvin when, I mean, I, I, I laugh at him when he says it, but the way the season's going, you can't write off Spurs to being title challenges because it looks like it's going to be one of those seasons where it's quite open league, at least for now, um, where even the the seemingly invincible Liverpool team are, are getting thrashed by, you know, sort of mid-table contenders. And, you know, it just looks to be one of those weird seasons, to be honest. And I think the Premier League will be very exciting this year. Um, and, yeah, I just it was just a bit of a capitulation for United. Luckily, it was sort of masked by um, the Liverpool performance a few hours later. But it's still very embarrassing for both teams. 13 goals conceded by United and Liverpool in one match day. Just, you know, remarkable stuff. Yeah, so um, Calvin praised Spurs. I mean, uh, their their new sign. They seem to have done quite good business in in, in the summer. Uh, Sergio Regulon is definitely impressed, and Gareth Bell, when he comes in, would would definitely improve the side in in an attacking sense. Um, I, I'm sure Calvin would definitely agree with that. I mean, if if I sorry to divert the conversation to United again, but. Today they've signed Alex Tellers and um, they've been linked very heavily with Cavani. That deal seems be, to be close to done. They've also linked been linked with Traore from Atalanta, although that deal will be done in January. Um, yeah, Arjun, do you think these transfers from United perspective will solve their problems? There's no centre-back coming. Um, yeah, I mean, the Cavani one's weird because when a player like that is available on a free, it, it's sort of silly not to go for him. But I don't personally think that a player like him is what United need. I think they clearly need a centre-back. A left-back was, OK, it's an astute signing from United, especially for only, I think, £13.5 million. A good signing, experienced European left-back there. Um, and also, you know, an, another Portuguese player to link up with Bruno. Um, and, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I think wingers are what you should be going for. Um, and obviously, you failed with Sancho, you failed with Dembele. Um, you've signed an 18-year-old winger who's played about half an hour of Serie A football um, for 30 million. I don't really understand that, to be honest. I can't see him getting minutes. But you've also you've also signed a Uruguayan winger who's also 18, I think. 
and everything I've read about him, people are saying like, oh, we'll go straight into the first team. But signings like that don't really inspire much confidence when you're signing, you know, largely unproven players from um, who haven't got much many first team minutes. And you're talking about them going into the first team. Hmm, I don't know. Um, Spurs obviously, you know, have had a good window. There's no doubting that. Um, and yeah, I think United have sort of missed the ball when it comes to their transfer window. All their moves recently are sort of reeking of desperation. I'm talking about um, the failed attempts for Dembele and Sancho, this this attempt to go for um, Chayore and then and now Saar looks looks that that looks to be fizzling out as well. Um, and the Cavani one, I just don't really understand it from a from a business point of view, which is obviously what United are all about nowadays. It makes sense, yeah, sure. But from an actual footballing point of view, I'm not quite sure he's what you need. Uh, I think the money could be, be better spent elsewhere, like a centre back. Well, so good positive vibes for United then. Right, um, let's move I on. Think, I think just to oh, quickly touch on something, um, it's not actually about the transfer policy or anything, but it's what United and Liverpool, I suppose, as well, and what they, how they bounce back from it, because now you've got an international break. The players aren't together. They can't, you know, get fired up and bounce back immediately. Is that two-week break going to potentially lead to a worse prospect uh, sort of bit down the line, you know? Are we going to see... United or Liverpool lose more games that they shouldn't really be losing. Well, I think um, the reports coming out of the United dressing room aren't great from a team cohesion perspective. Reports that Bruno Fernandes was hooked because he he, um, he was quite aggressive verbally towards Harry Maguire. So bounce back looks quite unlikely. Um, right, so Leeds United versus Manchester City. Leeds United won, Man City won. A, a game interesting... Um, because both 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 of the clubs have had quite a, a point to prove coming into the season. We we talked about City in the season preview. We thought they would uh, definitely bounce back from not retaining the title. Um, but they've had quite an indifferent start to the season. They lost 5-2 to Leicester, which was um, a crazy, crazy match. Uh, really pretty sad we didn't cover it last week. Um, and now they draw 1-1 um, away to newly promoted Leeds. Arjun, would you like to lead on um, on Man City? What have you made of their season so far? Um, so, to be honest, I didn't watch this game, but I have since seen the highlights, so I, I have I know somewhat what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, City have had a bit of a weird start to the season. Um, obviously, the 5-2 defeat against Leicester sort of showed up their defensive frailties. They've since addressed that by signing Ruben Diaz um, from Benfica, who sort of walks the walk, talks the talk, and looks like a competent um, centre-back, which I think, I mean, from one point of view, I find it a bit baffling that they signed Diaz after signing Ake, which I didn't really understand anyway. Um, That seems like a much better um, deal. But then, yeah, so they've they've just had a really indifferent start to the season. They obviously put in a competent performance away to Wolves, uh, winning 3-1, and they look look dazzling there, to be honest. Um, They then got flashed against Leicester, um and now this result against Leeds. Um I, I from seeing the highlights it looked like quite an entertaining open game. Um but these you know, I I'm tempted to write this game off as just like a sort of one off a special game that City just happened to drop points in. But I think going forward again, like with Liverpool, like with United and unlike all the top teams this season, I can see them dropping points in games that they wouldn't necessarily normally drop points in. I just think I just have a feeling it's one of those seasons. As for Leeds, they yeah they look like they played really well. They had they made a great start to the season. 
perhaps a bit sloppy at the back, but the likes of Bamford, um, Held Acosta um, are performing really well this season. And yeah, it looks looks like they'll be an entertaining team, certainly. Yeah, Ka- Calvin, Leeds look fun. I mean, from the first um, de- uh, game of the season for them, losing 4-3 to Liverpool, they really come into the Premier League with an intention to play, which we really shouldn't have expected anything else. Have you enjoyed watching Leeds this season? Uh, yeah, I have. I don't know if you can still hear me because I had to change uh, headphones. Don't but... worry, we can hear your beautiful voice. Go on. Okay, you can edit this out. Uh, yeah, I have enjoyed watching Leeds play, you know. Um, there was always going to be question marks where they could do the same style uh, in the Premier League. Uh, uh, but I think, you know, the fact they you know try to keep playing attractive football where they can, um, I think it's credit to both Bielsa and the team itself. You know, they've signed where they've needed to uh, in the defence, uh, in the striker, you know, having Rodrigo cut off the bench as an option, uh, even though, you know, there's a lot of debate whether he's the better striker or Patrick Bamford's the better striker, you know. Um, having options, as we know in the Premier League, is a big thing. Uh, and, you know, I think that's ultimately why they've been able to get one over City. Um, they would have probably taken a 1-0 loss even, let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, Leeds look very impressive so far this season and I think we all predicted them to do pretty well. And, I mean, lying fifth in the table right now with seven points from four games is, is no mean feat for a, for a newly promoted side. Right, Chelsea 4, Crystal Palace nil. A surprise clean sheet, some would say, <laughs> given Chelsea's uh, record, well, defensively so far this season. Um, yeah, uh, Arjun, what do you think? Um, to be honest, this was not flat as Chelsea. It wasn't a very good performance. It was quite a dull game. Um, and it was one of those games where it could easily have extended 1-0 and people have written it off. I think the scoreline sort of showed... You, know, you look at the scoreline and think, wow, Chelsea dominated Palace. The reality was somewhat different. We really struggled in the first half. We weren't we weren't gelling at all. Um, but in the second half, we just sort of picked up steam and, and got two penalties, which Jorginho, as usual, converted. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it was just a competent performance. The link-up um, between the front the front three looks quite good. Um, Havertz and Werner are doing really well. Um, Werner hasn't got off the mark yet, but he's, he's showing lots of energy, and I have no doubt that he'll get, get off the mark quite soon. And, yeah, there's lots to be optimistic about with Chelsea. We've had a somewhat shaky top start to the season, but I think the, the 3-3 comeback against West Brom last, last week showed uh, a, a nice bit of heart from the players. Um even even the penalty loss to Spurs in midweek, um, I think we played quite well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's always disappointing going out on penalties, but I, I, I would say that going out in the Carabao Cup isn't the end of the world. Um, and, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching us play next. Um, obviously not for a while. But, yeah, I, I, think it was just, I just think it was quite good to beat a Palace team who obviously away from home this season have beaten United 3-1. Um, so, you know, you know what they can do against the top teams. And they were just largely ineffectual um, on Saturday. Chilwell looks like a fine left back, doesn't he? We all writ- wrote him off, really, pretty underwhelming s- signing. Um, but you know, he looked fantastic against Palace. A definite upgrade on Alonso and Emerson, in my opinion. Yeah, it's good having a, a left back who can use both feet. Obviously, Alonso was literally ex- exclusively left footed, and that hindered our attacks um, a lot. And yeah, Chilwell looks much more comfortable on the ball and is linking up well. Um, with midfield so yeah encouraging for him 
Um, attention FPL fans, by the way, uh, for the for this next game. Everton 4, Brighton and Hove Albion 2. Everton have been, some would say, the surprise package of this season. They're seeing pretty on top of the table. Uh, James Rodriguez has, has seemingly transformed the side. And Calvert-Lewin looks like a world-class striker. What is this world, Calvin? Uh, yeah, if you uh, asked me at the beginning of the season, the 100% team would be Everton. Um, I would have probably laughed. Um, but James Rodriguez has absolutely revitalised the team. Uh, you know, you, and they have that depth again. You know, you've got Sigurdsson, they've got players they could come off. You've got, you know, Allen actually does pull all the strings in, the, in a sense in this whole team. Uh, without him, the team doesn't work. Um, so, you, again, we can only say what a transfer window and, you know, they have the manager. Uh, Ancelotti is a great, great manager. Um, and the way Everton playing, I know top four is definitely on the cards for them. I'd just like to say that four weeks ago, you guys were slagging off Everton. You're like, oh, this is the team that always fails. And I was the guy who yeah. was like, Everton need, Everton have a lot to look forward to this season. And I completely agree. I mean, Ancelotti, I mean, the change in Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been stark. Um, I, I, by all accounts, Ancelotti has, has converted him from this workhorse of a striker to the player that just, he's the target man. He sits in the box and waits to score. And um, so far, he's, he's really done exactly that. He scored two hat-tricks already this season and uh, earned a well-deserved call-up to the England squad. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Everton have been playing fantastically. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they're a particularly dislikable club. Um, so I'm, I'm glad to see them up there. Right, I think that's all the interesting Premier League games over and done with. Sorry, Arsenal, Sheffield United, you didn't make the cut. Right. However, um, there was a big lever in the Arsenal team. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm so sad about that. Wait, what? what happened there? Sorry, Calvin, go on. Uh, he's been let go um, by Arsenal, you know. Just pandemic hit hard, you know, and he's, let, he's been let go. Uh, maybe to make up some funds for their... Well, let's check Twitter right now. They're supposed to have paid £45 million, uh, for a party from La Liga, the La Liga bit. So let's see if that's come through right now. Fuck, you know, I thought dinosaurs were done being extinct. <laughs> Apparently not. Um, right, so transfer deadline day is is tonight as we're recording. Um, is there anything that stands out to you guys? We've talked about United transfer policy, but um, there's been a, a few deals that have been, been trying to push in, like Arsenal are keen on Thomas Partey, according to reports from BBC Sport as I look at their front page. And Fabrizio um, Romano's confirmed it, apparently. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff from like tier one, from like Spade and and England, and obviously Romano saying that it's basically going to happen. So I think we can sort of take that one off. As and they've got Sky it. Sports have just announced um, United have signed Amad Diallo um, from Atalanta. Yeah, that's the Yeah. Yeah, the, the Traore guy is um, is an interesting signing. I mean, he's just 18 years old and he's played not very much for Atalanta, but United have, have signed 30, paid 30 million for him. So I'm just going to say nothing because the kick out Edward, Edward Wood chat is just rumbling in my brain, but I, I don't want to say it. Everton have signed uh, Norwich defender Ben Goffrey. 
Um, yeah. He was quite. He was good one of fighting. Norwich's best players last season. I'm surprised nobody else picked him up, but it seems like Everton are doing good business again, Arjun. Yeah, certainly. They've got a good team and, you know, Don Carlo looks to be doing well with them. And, yeah, as I said, it's going to be an open season. If they get top four, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I've just seen that Ruben Loftus-Cheek is going on loan to Fulham, potentially. Um, I'm happy with that because he needs game time. And I feel like at Fulham, he'd be like one of their best players and main players immediately. And hopefully he can get regular game time that he needs and Chelsea can recall him back if they, if they wish to do so. Um, but just to think about transfer deadlines there, generals, I, you know, I sort of get nostalgic for the days when I was like, you know, 12, 13, watching it, staying up to watch it on Sky Sports News, looking at the, the rolling yellow ticket and all that, and see all the roving reporters getting harassed by the fans. And, you know, it makes me nostalgic because nowadays we sort of follow transfers. We don't really watch Sky Sports News or Deadline Day, do we? We just sort of, we have Twitter. Yeah, Romano. yeah, we have, you know, journalists like him that we just follow and get notifications for and it's sort of a bit redundant these days, isn't it, Sky Sports News? Um, people people seem to be, we, we seem to be far more in the know than the Sky Sports journalists seem to be at some points. But yeah, nostalgia. nostalgia. Yeah, I doubt Corona would allow reporters to travel to grounds and have fans like groping around them talking about how fucking great their team is. Um, Bale got a w- welcome and a half when he came in, you know. All the fans at Hotspur Way just clapping him in, you know, chanting his name, Spurs, Wells, Golf. Yeah, I hear Bale was, <laughs> has been classified as a super spreader, but let, let's move on. Um, Champions League draws were, were done recently. Um, I think of all of the Champions League teams, United will be the most, you could say, disappointed with their group. Um, they have they have quite a tough one, in, in my opinion. Um, uh, yeah, just, just shoot away, Arjun. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you want to go group by group and just briefly skim over the teams. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just seeing now Group A, so Bayern, Atletico, Salzburg, Lokomotiv, Mos- Moscow. Interesting group. I feel like there'll be a lot of goals in that one. Um, Salzburg are quite good attacking and obviously Bayern Munich. I feel like they'll just thrash the other teams apart from Atletico. Um, and yeah, in terms of the next group, this next group is probably the most interesting group of death for me. Um, you've got Real Madrid, Shakhtar, Inter, and München Gladbach from Germany. I feel like that that group would be one where Real Madrid go through, and you can pick any of the three te- other three teams to um, come second. Inter are notoriously terrible in the Champions League in the last couple of seasons, so who knows? Um, group C is interesting for me because, as usual, City have got an easy draw. Um, they've got possibly the easiest pot one team in Porto, and then Marseille and Olympiacos. It's always devastating to see City have, have some easy draws in the Champions League. Uh, Group D is Liverpool, Ajax, Atalanta and Michelin, uh from Denmark, I think. Um, Calvin, I think Liverpool would be pretty happy with this group. I mean, Ajax and Atalanta are both, you know, they have uh, over the past couple of years sparkled in the Champions League. But I think I think neither of them will be will be challenging Liverpool this time around. Yeah, I don't think Liverpool fans need to be concerned. Um, even though they did have a bad result in the weekend, you know, you know Champions League. Uh, Liverpool are a different force. Yeah, definitely agree. Arjun, Groupie is Sevilla, Chelsea, Krasnodar, Rennes. Again, no problems expected. Yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an, I like the draw because it's relatively easy. We could have got much worse teams from each of the pots. I think going to Krasnodar would be a bit annoying. 
Um, but I feel like now with the lack of fans there, it might be a le- bit less intimidating than you think. Um, and yeah, I think we should get through. Although to be honest, knowing us, I, I'm not sure we I'm not sure we can be so confident about topping the group just yet. Um, but we'll see. Group F um, is interesting because it, it looks like it's the weakest group on paper. So Zenit, Dortmund, Lazio, and Club Bruges. But I feel like it'll be one of those groups that is guaranteed to like go down to the final match day um, for all four teams to have a chance of qualifying or something like that. But I feel like it's in that sense, it's one of the most interesting groups because I feel like it'll be quite open. Um, group G, obviously, is the Messi-Ronaldo group. Juve, Barcelona, Kiev, and French Varos from Hungary. Unknown quantity there. I managed Ferenc Varos on uh, on Football Manager, and I can tell you they're not very good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting how Barcelona kind of fare in the Champions League under Ronald Koeman. Uh, the final group H, which I lead to at the start, PSG, United, Leipzig, and and Basakshir, which um, I can't say I'm really looking forward to. I mean, it'd be nice pitting us against you know one of the big boys in Paris, one of the finalists last year, and, and Leipzig. Also impressed getting to the to the semis, but um, I think it'll be quite a difficult group to get out of. But um, you know, we're, we're not really gonna know how it all shakes out for a couple more weeks. Right, on to our final uh, point of business. The England squad came out, and I know we don't really care about um, England anymore because it's just a bore fest, and we're not actually looking that good, are we? Um, but yeah, I just wanted to pick your brains about Southgate's decisions. I mean, I think I think. One of the big stories was the continued exclusion of Foden and Greenwood after their, let's say, antics in Iceland. Do you think that they deserve to be back in the squad? Um, or do you think it's right to leave them out, uh, Calvin? Yeah, I mean, end of the day, it's glorified friendlies. Uh, I mean, one of them's even actually a friendly. Um, yeah, you can leave them out for friendlies. You, you're not, you don't need your best team there. Um, you know, we've seen Jose ask for him not to uh, call up Harry Kane. Um, you know, because of, he's our main striker, he's going to get injured if you keep playing him in matches that don't matter. Um, and I think, you know, these games, not just the Wales game, but also the Nations League game in general, um, a chance to try out the players. And, if, you know, if there's any reason, such as, you know, what uh, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood did, um, you don't get a play, uh, just to sort of make an example of them, really. I mean, I mean, some some might say that you know leaving them out might it might hurt their confidence because they feel like, um, I mean, obviously they know they did something wrong, but Roy Keane came out saying you know they shouldn't be punished that harshly because they're only eighteen and sort of nineteen year old kids, right? So, um, you, this continued hit to their confidence might actually no, hurt no. them in the long run. What what do uh, you think, Arjun? Um, yeah, but I, I feel like I feel like they served their time to be honest by being dropped for the last game. I think I think they should just get them back in now. What I find more interesting is um, the fact that Tammy Abraham had a surprise birthday party, um, uh, I think on Sunday evening, um, that was sort of arranged by his friends, including Chilwell and Sancho. Um, and now they've both, I think they've all three of them have been dropped from the squad for the first game, I think, at least. Or I think Southgate said that he won't pick them for the first game, at least. Um, but obviously that, that sort of, um, brings to light more the Foden and Greenwood exclusion because uh, you know people are saying you, you know you can't really have have them included in the squad but they continue to kick out Foden and Greenwood um, when Foden and Greenwood's um, 
like cases were far more um well not 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 recent um but yeah i, I don't know I'm, I'm not really too fast to be honest about them missing on the squad i feel like especially from a club from a club point of view um they might be happy Probably to risk not risk injury and stuff yeah, just finally, I mean, Southgate has seemed to have answered his critics somewhat because he has called up players who have impressed with their club form, like uh, Bukayo Saka, Jack Grealish, um, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Harvey Barnes, all receiving call-ups. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, this is, as Calvin said, this is a time to experiment with your team with these uh, glorified friendlies. Um I personally am just looking forward to maybe Jordan Pickford not playing for England because he's been frankly awful. It's too uh, many mistakes. Like yeah, too many mistakes. One on a weekend is simple. Like Brighton, a prog- Everton absolutely dominating, and then you know he goes and drops the ball on a cross, and Brighton looks like a new team all of a sudden. Um, and you can't if that's a World Cup, you know, you can't afford to be doing that. I mean, surprising animation from Calvin over over Jordan Pickford. I mean, he must hate people with small arms. Right. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's end it here for today. We'll definitely be back um, to cover the next round of fixtures. But uh, for now, thank you, Arjun. Thank you. Pleasure. And thank you, Calvin. Cheers. And you've heard it here first. Uh, Spurs are winning the league. <laughs> and you've heard it here last. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Right. Um, right. Thanks for thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for sticking with me hosting. Um, bye-bye. The Symposium with Ash Orlack.